This is week two of Let Go, Hang On, where this month we're asking what doesn't serve us in this moment that we should let go of. And then next month in November, incidentally, after the election has passed, we're asking what can we cling to now? So we're trying to be very thoughtful about this pins and needles season that we are in here and very conscious of the emotional difficulty of the moment and also to offer some spiritual sustenance where so many of us are depleted. So today I want to explore with you the topic of judgment in hopes that I can give us something nourishing. And I think when we begin to talk about this, it helps us to admit right off the bat that in general, we modern humans are very judgy. Now, I'm not talking about judgment in the legal sense, nor am I referring to our ability to discern the world and make good decisions for our lives. What I'm talking about is the function of the human ego that views itself as separate from other people and situations and pronounces them then either good or bad, worthy or unworthy, sane or insane, etc. some dualistic either or. And it does this so that it can feel some sense of control or rightness or superiority. The ego loves to feel superior or exclusive. It loves to assign blame outside of itself and it loves to categorize and hierarchize. It loves to play the role of victim. If you've ever noticed that in yourself and it loves to take a defensive stance. So I think it helps to admit the problem, which is that we are most of us suffocating under the weight of our own ego and its judgments, both of ourselves and of other people. And this judgment and ego solidification are a big part of what got us here to the political and social moment that we find ourselves in. Um, James Blanchard Cisneros writes this, the ego believes there is power in judgment. It would have us believe that the more we judge another, the more power we have over that person. The ego equates power and judgment with strength and control. Those ruled by the ego believe that strength and power are obtained and maintained by their ability to control others. End quote. But we know better, right? We call those around here domination systems and we call BS on them and we know that we have the God-given power to become aware of this ego programming and all the ways that it runs us and it runs the world and we have the power to choose to live inside of a different paradigm one that is closer to love peace wholeness connectedness harmony so I think it'll be fun to take us on a little journey through a few texts, beginning with our own Christian scriptures and the words of Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, which is a very remarkable piece of preaching that Christ does. It's recorded in three chapters of the book of Matthew. And in it, Christ spells out his moral teachings. 
The Sermon on the Mount is, to my mind, the absolute pinnacle of Scripture, and these words of Christ have the power to turn the world upside down. So here is an excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6, which says, these are the words of Christ. Do not judge. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your sibling's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your sibling, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your sibling's eye. Don't give to dogs what's sacred. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So there we have in the words of Christ, we have a distinctly Christian teaching on judging other people. It's distinctly Christian, right? Or is it? I wonder what other wisdom traditions have to say about judging other people. So, I did a little digging. Here we go. For instance, the Tao Te Ching. Some people just call it the Tao. This is verse 5 of the Tao Te Ching. Heaven and earth are impartial. They see the 10,000 things as straw dogs. The sage is not sentimental. The sage treats all his people as straw dogs. The sage is like heaven and earth. To the sage, none are especially dear, nor is there anyone he disfavors. The sage gives and gives without condition, offering treasures to everyone. Between heaven and earth is a space like a bellows, empty and inexhaustible. The more it is used, the more it produces. Hold on to the center. Humankind was made to sit quietly and find the truth within. Huh. The Tao seems to be acknowledging that wise people, the sage, don't judge or show partiality. And this piece, this piece of text from the Tao Te Ching puts me in mind of another passage from our Christian scripture from the same Sermon on the Mount, but just a bit earlier in it, where Christ says, God makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So God gives good things to all regardless. Okay. Here's another example of a similar teaching on non-judgment from a text written by the Buddha. It's the Dhammapada. This is the Dhammapada 4.7. The Buddha says, Instead of focusing on the faults of others, the wrongs they have done, the good they have failed to do, I look clearly at my own acts, what I do and what I leave undone. I look clearly at my own acts. I examine the plank in my own eye. I find it very interesting that I can easily find three separate texts from three different world wisdom traditions that all agree that it is wisdom to refrain from judgment of people, of circumstances, of self, etc. 
So the Christ says explicitly, do not judge. And the Tao and the Dhammapada are a little bit more poetic in how they put it, but the idea is the same. That's encouraging self-reflection over judgment of others. And I really, really love finding instances when varying wisdom traditions of the world are in agreement. When that happens, it tells me that we're really on to something important and universal about humanity. So we humans are notoriously bad at seeing ourselves clearly, aren't we? In fact, I believe that it's one of the major markers of spiritual, of spiritual maturity if we grow to become people who are self-aware. Which really means that we learn to recognize our own egos, our own ego patterns and reactions. And one of the ego's very favorite pastimes is judgment. And I think Christ knew this about us. And I think that's why he included this very important and very often disregarded teaching in this particular talk, the Sermon on the Mount. And yet, okay, yet, despite Jesus's explicit teaching on judgment, what I have observed and experienced is that for the most part, the Christian church has completely ignored the teaching of Christ in this matter. Is that your experience? It's mine and my observation. And actually, for the most part, I think the Christian church has historically completely ignored the entire Sermon on the Mount and instead focused itself on the teachings of other people other than the Christ, like, for instance, St. Paul, who was like a regular human being, you know? Like, I'm not dogging on St. Paul, but he, he ain't Christ. And my point is that Christi- Christianity has used itself as a justification for a hell of a lot of judgment throughout its history. In his book, The Naked Now, which I have right here, it's actually one of my very, very favorite books, and I have tons of markings in it. Um, Father Rohr notes, he says, at conferences, people will often say to me, but we have to make judgments. We can't just walk around all day saying it's all good. Sometimes you have to draw the line. And of course, they're right. But the great teachers aren't asking us to turn off our common sense and our rational minds. They are pointing to something deeper. They are saying that you cannot start seeing or understanding anything if you start with no. You have to start with a yes of basic acceptance, which means not too quickly labeling, analyzing, or categorizing things in or out, good or bad. You have to leave the field open. So Father Rohr frames judgment as starting with a no. And he frames getting out of ego as starting with a yes. And I think if we observe the life of Christ, we see that he comes at life and really at most everything from a posture of inclusion and welcome. And it isn't that Christ doesn't call out what he perceives as being misaligned with the path of peace. He does do that. He absolutely does. But his overall posture is of yes, as opposed to um, a posture that is our general default, which is like keep out or it's a posture of criticism or exclusion. Gosh, I mean, what a, what a difference this could make. Like if we let go of judgment, 
both of ourselves and of other people and of all the situations that we find ourselves in, what space would that create in our lives? Like how profound could that be? And what room for happiness could we find? And what freedom? It's hard teaching. It's deep stuff. And look, I struggle with it every single day of my life. I I wrangle my ego every dang day. It's work. It's the kind of work that takes a whole lifetime to do, but it's the kind of work I believe that frees us the most deeply and heals the world most profoundly. And I think that it's the kind of work that will and that could make the most difference for us as we sit here now on pins and needles right before a very pivotal and very challenging and very exasperating and exhausting election. As we sit here in a United States that is the most egoically divided any of us have ever witnessed, here we are in a cultural and historic moment that requires reparations and reconciliation and deep listening and self-reflection. It's very easy for me to look over at people who occupy a different space on the political spectrum than I do and feel um, superior, judgmental, and unforgiving. There are moments when I very much want to vent my anger and frustration and bafflement about what's going on. I yelled more than a few cuss words at the TV during those debates, y'all. You can let Jordan tell you. And that's a really easy place for me to be. How about for you? And look, some of that I believe is real wisdom, okay? I think some of it is the Spirit of God that lives in me that is saying, nope, that's not the commonwealth of heaven coming to earth. Nope, that's not compassion. Nope, that's not equity. Some of it is wisdom giving me valuable information as to what's right and what's wrong and what's worthy of keeping in the world. And I'm not discounting that, okay? The Spirit is right here inside me, helping me make sense of the world in light of the teachings of Christ and of the movement of the Holy Spirit. Yes, she is. And recognizing when a system or a behavior or the behavior of a system is harmful is wisdom. And wisdom and judgment are not the same thing. Judgment, as I'm discussing it here in this sermon, is different from discernment between right and wrong. We absolutely need wisdom right here. We need wisdom that helps us stick close to the priorities of God and of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth and to the example of Christ and how we might live that out in this world. And wisdom, wisdom is that internal knowing of when we are on the path of peace and when we aren't. Wisdom is that gut level spiritual knowing of how to respond to a situation in a way that would be a credit to the Christ that we say we follow. So, you might ask, what's the difference between being judgmental and being prophetic? 
Christ and the biblical prophets both readily critique systems, governments, and hierarchies. And at the same time, they are quick to offer curiosity and forgiveness to individuals. Both Christ and the prophets of old and the true prophets of today invite individuals to examine their place in and their complicity in domination systems. But they never damn or condemn individual humans. They urge them to self-reflect and they call systemic injustice what it is, but they hold each person in the light and love and mercy of God. So when, when I become conscious of a system of injustice that I've been complicit in, usually because of the good work of some prophet who's calling attention to it, I have the opportunity to self-reflect and to look at the plank in my own eye and to examine my own actions as well as those of, other, those of others from a place of compassion. But here's a, here's a thing, okay? Living in a place of judgment all the time takes a lot of energy. It drains us and it pulls us away from the divine flow. Judgment is a burden that we oftentimes don't even know we can put down. Life is much easier when we let it go. I know this both from my wisdom tradition, which in my case is Christianity, and from my experience. Whenever I can pop up out of my ego, life is better and less heavy and less tiresome. So to wrap it up, I want to give you a few practical tools for doing that work of popping up out of ego. Just three quick antidotes to judgment. Now, they're nothing new. You've heard me talk about these before as medicine for the ego, and I just want to leave us with a, a reminder of them. The first is curiosity. Curiosity is one of those life postures that I consider sort of a, a precursor to Father Roar's starting with yes, okay? The posture of curiosity can pave the way for a posture of welcoming inclusion. Curiosity demonstrates an ability to listen and ask questions rather than make pronouncements. It asks how and why things are or people are the way they are. And it tries to peel away the surface layers of what's presented to find out what's beneath. Curiosity is a major spiritual tool in our toolkit. It is able to sit with open-ended questions and tolerate gray areas. It is able to be with people with whom we disagree. Remember the example of Christ in John 7. Remember the scribes, they bring to him a woman who has been caught in adultery. And by the laws of that time and place, she should be stoned, okay, killed for her crime. And Jesus leans down and doodles in the dirt. And instead of offering a judgment, Jesus offers the question. He says, who here is without sin and therefore willing to cast the first stone? He could cast judgment and instead he casts curiosity. 
Curiosity is childlike and non-cynical, and it is open to wonder. And curiosity gets us in touch with our inner, enthusiastic, question-asking kid who's able to be astonished and awed and surprised. Curiosity is strongly associated with humility. And it's a tool that we need and can harness. And instead of pronouncing a judgment, we can ask a question. All right, second ego medicine is forgiveness. I want to suggest that when we free ourselves of judgment and we learn instead to practice that good work of Jesus, which is forgiveness, okay, we liberate ourselves and others, yeah? Forgiveness is absolutely one of the liberative powers that Christ shares with us. Remember John 20? I mention it pretty much every time I open my mouth around here. John 20, 23 says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. My friends, forgiveness is an antidote to judgment and therefore an antidote to ego. We can be happier and more resilient in these times if we apply forgiveness, which is to say the opposite of judgment to the world and to people with whom we're in relationship and to the situations in which we find ourselves. So to forgive something doesn't mean to say it's good when it isn't. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we excuse bad behavior. No, what we do is we accept reality as it is, and then we work with it and within it to create change, okay? It's the difference. Let me, let me explain this. It's the difference between saying, nope, nope, I'm white, and I've never experienced racism, so therefore racism doesn't exist and requires no action. It's the difference between that and saying, all right. I'm conscious that racism is woven into the fabric of policy and nation and is part of the reality that is. I accept that reality and I accept my responsibility to work toward a new reality in which racism and white supremacy have been eradicated. Does that make sense? Like we can't work with reality until we forgive it for being what it is. Continually judging and denouncing and resisting a reality doesn't make it better. And in fact, it takes, it, it takes away our energy for working toward better. Okay? And forgiveness, being the antidote to and the opposite of judgment, or an antidote and an opposite, means that we stop punishing ourselves for the bad behavior of other people. We stop resenting the world for being what it is and resenting other people for doing what they, in their own egos, do. Remember, Jesus says, you've got a plank in your eye. Why are you so worried about the dust in someone else's? The primary work that we are here to do, okay, that is the primary work that we have any control over here, is inner work. This is very nuanced, and it requires a moment-by-moment adherence to forgiveness. You'll probably need to pray and ask for help with this. I know I do. Final suggested antidote to the ego's predilection to judgment. Spiritual practice. 
You knew I was going to say it. Spiritual practice is the personal space in which we ground ourselves into the truth of God and the truth of our true selves, which lay beyond ego. The thoughts that our minds are addicted to thinking all the time, those are not our true selves. In spiritual practice, we go to, to a space beyond thought, beyond emotion, beyond words. In spiritual practice, there is no role to play. There's nothing to prove. There's nothing to be right about. And any rewards are entirely internal and intangible, except for the fact that you might live a little longer due to lower stress. There is no spiritual practice tournament that you can win. The best way out of ego is into silence and stillness. And Father Roar agrees with me. He says that the key to stopping the ego's games is quite simply peace, silence, or stillness. This was always seen as God's primary language, says Roar. And on a practical level, silence and God will be experienced simultaneously and even as the same thing. But if you are at a place in life where you are unaccustomed to or you can't tolerate silence and stillness, perhaps it's triggering for you in some way, I encourage you to do the next best thing, which is rhythmic movement tied to breath. And for some that might look like mindful walking or running, if that's accessible to you, perhaps yoga or perhaps chair yoga, whatever's accessible to you, whatever movement that you do with the intention of quieting the mind and the ego and allowing the spirit space and time to commune with you. Judgment is our default, both by nature and culture and training. But our wisdom tradition, as well as others, our revered teacher of the Christ, as well as others, advise us against practicing ego-based judgment. And we can live happier, less stressful, more connected lives if we learn instead to start with a yes of openness. We still practice wisdom and discernment, but our starting posture is more like our good Christ whose welcome and inclusion have so impacted the world. We too can impact the world in this way. So I leave you this week with these three blessings of curiosity and forgiveness and spiritual practice in hopes that you will experiment with them this week. Now is the time. If ever there was a time, now is it. Amen. So um, Lee is going to leave us with a blessing that of music. She's going to sing for us and leave us a musical blessing. So amen and amen and thank you, Lee.